Namaste, I'm Gabby. Welcome to the Happier Life Project, brought to you by free mental health and wellness app, My Possible Self, in partnership with the Priory Healthcare. Today, we have such a special episode. I'm going to take you inside a yoga retreat. Now, this is something people do tend to reach out to me the most about on social media and amongst my friends and my family. With so many to choose from, I get asked a lot for recommendations on where to go for a yoga retreat. Do I know any good teachers? What actually happens on one? How will I feel afterwards? Do I need to be experienced first? And all of these questions and more are going to be answered today on this very podcast. Trish Whelan is a renowned shamanic kundalini yoga teacher and Reiki practitioner. And I had the very fortunate look of being in Southern Goa, India, when she was holding her soul medicine retreat. In the heavenly Luachia, a stunning luxury villa and retreat space, Trish graciously opened up the doors and allowed me to not just sit down and interview her, but also to chat to some of the retreat goers to give you guys a real glimpse into what goes on. And please do stay till the end of this episode where we are going to close with Trish playing the gong, which she does to close every one of her yoga practices. This was captured live in Goa at the retreat. Now, I've got to be honest, before I went on Trish's retreat, I hadn't actually done much kundalini yoga before. Compared with other forms of yoga, kundalini yoga is seen as a more spiritual practice. It still involves physical movements, but I would say kundalini yoga sits somewhere between breath work and traditional hatha yoga. And man, it has so many great benefits. Shortly, you're going to learn all about Kundalini and its benefits and maybe, hopefully, you might want to give it a try after listening to this. You're also going to hear Trish's incredible story going from hotshot music mogul to zen harmonious healer. And I hope we've managed to capture some of India's beautiful, magical energy too. So... Ready to find a healthier, happier you? Let's get started. Well, Trish Whelan, I think this is the most stunning place I've ever done an interview. So thank you for allowing me this opportunity to talk to you here in Goa. Yeah, it's pretty beautiful, isn't it, here? Yeah, I'm a bit of a palm addict. (laughs) So yeah, we're here in thousands of palms, actually. So yeah, welcome. Yeah, I mean, I do think we should set the scene. We're in a yoga shala uh, surrounded by beautiful crystals. We've got like a flower altar in this most... uh, It's words can't even describe, can they, how stunning this location is in southern Goa. Yeah, it's a real paradise here, isn't it? Photos definitely don't do it any justice. And yeah, you really have to be here. The light and the sounds and... Also wonderful to be back here because I haven't been here for three years. So um, I was here at the start of the pandemic and 
actually, I was quite happy to stay here when I thought the pandemic wasn't going to be going on for so long. But um, yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. And when we talk about Soul Medicine, which is the name of the retreat that you are holding right now and that I am part of. Yeah. When we talk about medicine for the soul, I mean, <laughs> you couldn't have picked a better place, could you really? Well, I guess the thing is that we always come back to the fact that nature is the medicine and I just love beauty and the real essence of beauty and um, how healing beauty is really and how simple life can be when we're in beautiful places really and the nature is really the balm. And if you could hear, because I've got my headphones on, there's this beautiful accompaniment of the wind blowing and the birds chirping <laughs> as you're talking and I definitely want to go back to India and Goa but I feel like we need to learn all about you and your incredible journey from quite a big player in the music industry to what you are now which is a shamanic kundalini yoga teacher and you also are trained in reiki and sound healing um, you're a multi-dimensional energy healing therapist yeah, well, essentially, I teach shamanic kundalini yoga, and um, and underneath that is really the healing. But yeah, I'm a Reiki master teacher, so I train people in Reiki, and um, yeah, I'm delighted to say I love my job. Well, I have to ask the most obvious question, um, which I think a lot of listeners will want me to ask is, what is a shamanic kundalini healer teacher? Well, I teach kundalini yoga, which is an ancient... Uh, type of yoga. I'm a shamanic practitioner so I teach um, kundalini yoga in a shamanic way so I really work with the energy of the elements, the land, I work with the turning of the year so I work with the moon, I work with the sun and really bringing about a, an awareness um, for all of those elements with um, each and every class and practice. And, um, you know, I, I guess really the essence of it is that the shamanic belief is that everything has a vibration. And so really tuning into the vibration of, of everything that is. Well, speaking of vibrations, there's a lot in music and music is, as you know, so healing. And I've said it to you this week on more than one occasion about how I really enjoy all the different ways you incorporate music into your sessions. But it's not surprising if we do touch upon your background um, before your healing journey, which is working in music, working with huge players in the music industry, U2, The Smashing Pumpkins, All Saints, Gwen Stefani, the list goes on. Can you remember a moment when you had this, what, you know, is such an exciting job? Um, I'm sure behind the surface there was challenges, but then to go from, I guess, the dream kind of job to being like, something doesn't feel right and I want to I wanna pivot. Do you remember that moment? Um, well, I do really. When I had my first ever Reiki experience with my first teacher, uh, with a wonderful lady called Angie Litvinov. I was gifted a Reiki treatment with Angie and um, 
Yeah, at that time I had a pretty hectic um, lifestyle. I was running a label and I was running a recording studio and I felt like at the end, I wasn't really quite sure what happened, but I started going back because I knew something was happening. And I felt like after I was having the healing sessions that there was like a little buffer around me that I was more easily able to to manage myself and and the life I was in. And then I did my Reiki one as a kind of day out. <laughs> <laughs> and then really when I did my Reiki two, everything changed. And I was also working with a shaman at the time from America who said I had lots of jangly things on my wrists. And he said, take the shackles off your wrists for 11 days and see what happens. And then the healing really came into my hands and my hands got very hot. And um, I guess really I was just so humbled by the experiences that I was having with the healing myself and then transmitting that for other people. So Reiki came first and I suppose your stepping stone into this healing work or incorporating music and healing was when you ran the Joe Strummer Foundation. Was it after then that you left that part of your life behind? No, it was, I left, I made a few attempts to leave the music business, actually. I qualified in 2005 as a Reiki master, and I left the music business at the end of 2004, at the very start of 2005. And I made a record then to do healing to, and then... Um, you know, I couldn't pay the mortgage, so I went back into the music business and I worked with Jay Jagger for a couple of years and and then I uh, left again and then I went to Stromerville. And it was really when I, st I did my Kundalini Yoga teacher training, that's when I really um, left for good. Was that scary? Because kind of leaving everything you knew and the secure, the financial security as well, or was it just you had all the tools that you knew you'd be okay? Kind of like what you're teaching us to accept ourselves and allow whatever's going to happen next to happen. Um, well, my mom died in the middle of my Kundalini teacher training. So that was really what brought about the biggest shift, actually, because then... Was it scary? I mean, I don't know what it was because I was so deeply grieving. And that's when I, I suppose, my feeling really when I lost my mum was that I need to get out of London um, because I'd lost my nana like 10 years before that. And when I lost my nana, I just found that, unlike Irish people who do grief very well, I didn't find that English people did grief well at all. And I just thought I have to get out of London and really be able to grieve. So it was really, I think, you know, that thing with life and death is that, um, you know, when we really come that close to death, we really start to live. And that was the biggest, yeah, losing my mum was, was really the catalyst to all of that change. Did Kundalini help you move through the grief? 100%. 
Yeah, 100%. I mean, two years before we sadly lost our mum, she had a stroke and um, I was actually in a Kundalini yoga class. And uh, when I got the message and yeah, I mean, having a practice for me at that time um, and being able to support my mum, you know, in the end, actually, she ended up having the two best years of her life because the healing was so powerful and potent. And so, yeah, having a practice and, you know, being able to feel my feelings was such a healing, really, you know, I feel like I probably spent a lot of my life trying to not feel my feelings. And then when we, you know, don't have any other choice, you really start to get into the real, you know, juicy bits of life then, don't you? You know, like it's not all fairy tales and unicorns. And, you know, you start to realize like, you know, we're only here for a minute. And then, you know, my mom was only 64 when she died. So it just felt really sad to have lost her at such a young age when she was really getting it. So I suppose I was determined really to to live and feel. Yeah, one of the revelations I had actually this week was, and when I was, again, going back to music, it, I was thinking about how I've always said this all my life, oh, I don't listen to sad music. I don't like sad songs. <laughs> That's why I don't listen to a lot of Adele or whatever. And I realised this week it's because music brings up so many emotions for me that there were emotions I didn't want to address or go to. And then... Yeah, one of my lessons from this week is I'm going to start listening to songs that are maybe a bit more sad or that, you know, lyrically they do bring those emotions out. Yeah, I mean, we have to feel. <laughs> and I think, you know, we're conditioned, aren't we, to like not look into the sad places mm. and to not embrace the shadow or the darkness. But, you know, the darkness is the contrast to the light and the sadness is the contrast to the joy and... You know, it's interesting, isn't it, how, like you said, music can, you know, emote us. Mm. And, um, you know, it's so interesting, isn't it, to be able to let the tears flow and not feel like I shouldn't be crying or I shouldn't be feeling this or I should be feeling that. And, you know, we've kind of lost touch with that really true essence of just feeling you know like what does it really feel and you know music for me is is the thing that brings that up the best definitely before we get into a little bit more about kundalini in terms of your incredible retreats i mean you cherry pick some beautiful backdrops to hold these retreats at i've got to ask why ibiza why you moved to ibiza and was it 10 years you spent there yeah, it was 10 years. I was 10 years in Ibiza and um, oh, because I never, it was my favourite place on the planet, actually. And my introduction to Ibiza came when I was working in the music business and um, and I was sent there for work, actually. And it was literally the last place on the planet I wanted to go to. I was like, oh, Ibiza. I was a garage girl, so I was going to Ayanapa, Ayanapa <laughs> a lot and getting garage mixes of all our records. And um, suddenly it was this proposal of Ibiza came into play. And actually, you know, within an hour of being there, I was sort of 
bejeweled and tasseled and <laughs> and in a bikini that was far too small for me. And yeah, that began the love affair with Ibiza in 2001. And then I literally went at every available opportunity and I actually did my my first teacher training was in Ibiza. And as I, you know, was as my mum was was slowly leaving this um, experience here on this planet, I was thinking, oh, I need to get to I need to get out of London and I need to go to Ibiza because, yeah, Ibiza was just such a held such a beautiful space in my heart. And, you know, I was I was at the time absolutely completely one million percent sure I was only going to go for six months mm. and then when I was driving across Spain with literally crystals in my glove compartment in my ashtray and you know I mean I had everything and my whole life kind of vacuum packed into the back of mm -hmm. my car I thought hang on a minute am I going to be driving back in the other direction in six months I don't think so and I feel like I made that choice there and then but you know I was grieving and I feel like you just don't really know from one minute to the next when you're grieving what's going on so yeah I ended up staying 10 years <laughs> and I guess some people listening will be thinking Ibiza party island right but there is this healing energy to the island as well it's like the yin and the yang literally yeah, I mean, Ibiza is really, uh, it, well, for starters, they say that it's like an island that's on a bed of quartz. So the energy is very strong there. And, you know, that's why people went there to party, actually, because, you know, there's, it, it amplifies, energy is amplified in Ibiza. And, um, yeah, there's a huge healing community there. Lots of amazing retreats there, lots of amazing healers. Yeah, you know, the hippies, you know, it's been going on since the 60s. It's not just the ravers, but also, you know, like the ravers, like that energy of like, you know, people stomping into the earth. It's like, you know, it's good. It's also healing, you know. I don't believe that healing is linear. And yeah, Ibiza was beautiful for me for those years, actually. I feel like we need to learn from you about Kundalini. And I pulled up what even the meaning of kundalini is in sanskrit it means she who is coiled so this refers to the primordial life force energy contained at the base of the spine that is often depicted as a snake and that in itself sounds just quite confusing <laughs> so how would you describe kundalini to the novice like myself? Um, I would say that Kundalini, yes. Well, the literal word meaning is the lock of the curl of hair of the beloved. Um, but it's really your creative life force energy, basically. So it's what makes you create. Mm. So then how does that get activated in a yoga session? Because it's a very, very, very different type of practice than your Hatha or your Vinyasa or, you know, the, the ones that people can get an abundance of videos for on YouTube, for example. So how does it get activated in a class? Well, it's an experience, you know, so we're working with breath, with posture, we're working with the quantum field, with intention, and um, you're really working to connect to your soul and yeah playing with the breath playing with the body locks 
Um, some of the physical exercises are similar to classic yoga. You're tuning in. Yeah, you have to really have the experience. Words are hard to kind of wrap around it, really. But yeah, it's the experience of meeting yourself inside yourself. Through the landscape of mental and emotional health, there are several science-based benefits of kundalini yoga, such as easing stress and anxiety, improving cognitive functioning, and boosting self-perception and self-appreciation. So have you personally experienced a lot of this in terms of, for you, but then also being on the journey with your clients as well, when we talk about you know, mental health and emotional health, which is just as important as physical, but often gets overlooked. I mean, for me, Kundalini Yoga changed my life. So I had my first ever Kundalini Yoga experience in 2008. And I met it as um, a Reiki master, almost finished my shamanic practitioner training. And I had my first Kundalini Yoga class. And my feeling was, I have had a healing. That was my feeling. And Kundalini Yoga completely changed my life. And I see that this practice really, really helps people to return to themselves. Something happens, you know, like scientifically, a lot of things happen, like the hormonal flow has changed. You're making serotonin, you're receiving endorphins. You know, there's a lot going on. But just energetically, what's happening is you're meeting yourself and you're thinking, actually, this feels nice. Mm. This feels good. I'm meeting myself. You know, you're able to plug in to something that is deep within and all around and you get happy. Mm. So why do you think it's not maybe as mainstream as other forms of yoga then? Because I think that, you know, when yoga came to the West, everybody wanted to get bendy. Mm -hmm. Mostly people think that yoga is, you know, a thousand sun salutations every morning. But actually, that physical asana practice came secondary to the breath. Mm. You know, yoga, you don't really get kundalini in gyms. No. Um, I don't know. I think that it will change. You know, more people are practicing kundalini. What people might have heard of is this kundalini awakening, but might not know what that means. And I still am not exactly sure what that means. Have you experienced it much? And and what does that feel like? There's a bit of a showman, shaman kind of uh, scene around kundalini awakening and spontaneous kundalini awakening happening around a lot around plant medicine. You know, it's enlightenment, essentially. It's a shift in energy for people. Um, I haven't come across it in in a way that is not positive, but I have seen clients who have had this experience and it has been uncomfortable and they haven't been in a in a well-held space enough to manage it. And so it can be, you know, a little bit scary, but it's not, it doesn't happen in Kundalini Yoga. You know, it happens when um, energy is activated that the person, you know, is not ready to, you know, it's in, a, it's in, a, in an artificial way. So um, my experience has been very safe. 
So it's really, really important to find an experienced teacher. Sure, it is. Yeah, like everything, you know, it's important to find a teacher. and But, you know, we have to trust that everybody gets, you know, what they're meant to get. Mm. When we think about detoxifying, and I think this has, happens a lot during, especially in retreats where you're practicing a couple of times a day, most people jump to thinking food, drink, um, but toxins are all around us. So I wanted to ask you a bit about releasing emotional toxins because I think this doesn't get highlighted enough and I think this happens a lot in the Kundalini practice. So I'd love to know what you think about this. Yeah, I think that people think, you know, it's the, the beer and the fags that, mm. you know, that's what we think is toxic. But, you know, people are toxic. Mm -hmm. Thoughts are toxic. Memories can be toxic. So, you know, releasing energy that is toxic or not beneficial is really important. And, you know, we can be toxic against ourselves. Oh, I'm too fat. I can't sing. I look awful. This doesn't look good on me. You know, this kind of self-sabotage is toxic. It kind of starts to feed back on itself somehow. Also, toxic thoughts and toxic behavior patterns and, you know, toxic jobs, mm -hmm. uh, toxic lifestyles, you know. Well, I mean, essentially, they're a response to trauma. And we have to get underneath that. We have to get underneath that and find ourselves. And then from there, realize that actually, when I hang out with that person, I don't feel good. When I eat this, I don't feel good. When I am in that place, I don't feel good. So it's an it's an awareness and we have to be aware of what feels toxic mm. and ideally not go back into those situations again. Uh, from day one of your retreat, I mentioned to you, it happened for a few days, this metallic taste in my mouth. And when we talk about releasing toxins, like, I mean, I haven't drunk this year. My diet has been really, really good. So I can't help but think the toxins that I've been releasing, hence the metallic taste, have been emotional ones. I mean, yes. Yes, <laughs> yes in, a, in, in a word, yes. I mean, we have to remember that we are holistic beings and that, you know, we're holding energy in our cells, in our muscles, in our blood, in our organs, you know, our feelings affect how we actually feel in the physical body. So, you know, this metallic taste of moving energy, you know, who knows, you know, maybe somebody bullied you when you were five, you're getting rid of that, you're, you know, we're holding on to so much. And we have this opportunity in this practice to really release, you know, it isn't like, psychotherapy you're not thinking oh well that's my my brother bullied me and that boyfriend that's him gone it's just energy is energy and so that moving through the cleaning and the clearing is 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 happening on all levels i read in a an interview that you did i think it was with the telegraph you said when it came to retreats especially since the pandemic it's not so much a luxury it's almost like a necessity for people i mean that has been my experience that how we're living 
the pressure that we're under to respond to the WhatsApp, the Instagram, the Facebook DMs, the texts, the emails, the calls, we're not built, we're not designed for all of that. So we're under already a lot of stress that we weren't under, say, 10 years ago. And having a space to be able to come into and just relax, like just relax, just plug in, just really feel into being alive and move energy in the body and move energy in the electromagnetic field and really allow inspiration to come in and... Yeah, this plugging into yourself, that shouldn't be a luxury. I think a lot of people haven't even experienced a retreat before, but they're curious about it. And I know this because I get messages a lot asking for recommendations because, you know, my yoga journey and I'm sort of exploring and traveling and I'm so lucky to do that. So for anybody listening that's not been to a retreat before could we kind of get a sneak peek as we're in one right now into yours in terms of the curation and what a day looks like well for starters I guess my retreats are generally um, I get a lot of repeat people coming back so there is a really nice family um, experience and you know I'm a I've been a serial retreater myself so I know that like tense moment of like what are they going to be like what if I don't like the food and what if they're annoying and what if I don't like the practice and and that's also part of the experience I feel like so my retreats I always have really nice people I always have people who want to go deeper you know and we go very deep in the practice but then we have a laugh at the table there's space we're in silence in the morning there isn't any pressure to make friends. You know, this is really your own experience. So we're up. Um, there's generally a juice or in the case of Goa, we have fresh coconuts off the trees in the mornings. We're in silence. And that silence is key for me because there's less admiring the leggings and the trainers and there's more just being able to really as I just said, the the bombardment of what what's happening to our nervous system doesn't happen when we're able to be in silence so we're in silence and then we have you know an hour and three quarters of uh, shamanic kundalini yoga with the gong and then we have a, a moment to process and then we have a lovely brunch um, and then we have a workshop really a, a checking in a sharing some other kind of breath work or meditation or whatever is really appropriate to the group and then lovely long afternoons off. Um, we're always in beautiful places, so there's always space. And then back on the mat again in the evening for another session, which is generally I tend to teach stronger classes physically in the morning and then softer classes in the evening. Um, I'm a breathwork teacher, so more breathwork-led, meditation, and then lovely dinner, and then off to bed. Mm. Oh, my God. I mean, the food is probably the best food I've had in my entire life has been this week, Trish. Wow. That's what I love to hear. Yeah. I mean, I know that from my own experience before I was running retreats of going to retreats and, and trainings and, you know, sort of having one too many beige plates. Mm -hmm. um, so really, the food is as important as the yoga to me, actually. 
and that the food um, is really nourishing and that, you know, like I would absolutely die and stop doing what I'm doing if I thought that in any way my work was, you know, serving ladies and that was that. I'm not interested in serving ladies. I'm interested in serving people who really want to heal. And the food is so important in that healing journey. And then that people go home and they change how they're cooking, what they're serving up. They change how they're looking at food. You know, it's a lifestyle change that happens with the food. And yeah, I mean, and I love food. So first and foremost, I want to be well fed and nourished and the difference you feel. Mm. Oh, I've, I mean, you've seen how many pictures I've taken of the meals because I've been like so inspired. And this week it's all vegan as well. So satisfied as well. And just food as medicine couldn't have got a better chef there Trish <laughs> yeah the chef is really it's like a marriage isn't it you know I'm I yeah the food is is really there's just nothing worse is there than sitting down to a bad meal mm. um so you know high vibration fresh food organic locally grown a lot of our locations they grow the food there you know eating in season macrobiotic all the good stuff, basically. Could have all been a very different experience for me because I came to Goa being, let's say, conned the right way, conned into a retreat that wasn't a retreat. They were shoehorning me into a yoga teacher training. The whole package that was sold to me was something that completely was fabricated and, you know, bed bugs in the accommodation, um, the beige food, and then a punishing uh, schedule. I was like, when I received it, it wasn't until I got here and it was a yoga teacher training schedule. It, it wasn't a retreat. And you being so experienced going to retreats and holding retreats, and I think whilst we're on the subject of it, there's obviously a happy ending from my experience because I got to work with you. But I think for many, like imagine if you'd spent all this money and you'd never been to a retreat before and you turn up and you got that experience and, you know, you weren't me and you were just in India upset. And so, yeah, in terms of like advice for people that are considering a retreat, what would you say to them, Trish? I would say, you know, it's good to talk to the teacher it's good to, you know, like really check out the reviews, recommendations. I personally love to speak to clients because, you know, it just puts people's minds at rest. And then, you know, the work really begins from when you book the retreat. So if I'm able to speak to them, then they can just, you know, really in the weeks um, coming up to the retreat, they can consider, you know, what is it that they're really wanting to work on or to look at and um, what do they really need? And um, as opposed to like, is it going to be OK? Is it not going to be OK? Is it going to be really real? And yeah, I mean, you have to really just check in with what's on offer and ask any questions, you know, like, mm. I'm sorry that that happened to you because it's a really just goes to show you, I guess, that the yoga world is no different, that, you know, there's charlatans and people, there's chancers. And, you know, somebody said to me recently, anybody can rent a villa and call it a retreat. Mm. And it's like, just really tuning in with the person who's holding the space. Anybody can essentially teach yoga. Mm. 
but like how is the space being held and what outside of the classes, what's the purpose? Mm. What's on offer really? Because also I guess it's important to make sure that things come up when we move energy. Who can you tell? Yeah. Who, you know, is that person able to hold that space? Because it's all well and good until something goes wrong. And then it's like, who's in charge here? Well, yeah, we talked about as well, because I've recently completed my second 200-hour yoga teacher training. And a lot of people now are like, oh, so you're a yoga teacher. Oh, so you're going to teach. And it's like, man, I haven't even scratched the surface here. And then imagine if I was conducting a retreat with 15 people and a lot of people are coming to the retreat wanting some deep healing. And so they're emotional and they're vulnerable And then, yeah, like you said, who's running the joint when they get there? Yeah, I remember I had a really interesting experience when I was doing my teacher training myself. I was obviously still practicing. I was in London. Um, I was practicing a lot of kundalini yoga. And I remember being in a class and, um, you know, I was obviously, you know, sort of doing that thing that people do when they're looking over the DJ booths to see what the tunes are. I was like looking at what series people were teaching and how they were doing it and thinking I wouldn't do it like that or I do it like that or I like how they're doing that. And I remember I was in a class with this fabulous teacher in London called Sukpal and it was a really uh, strong breath work where your head was back and I was thinking, I think I'm ready to teach. I think I'm ready. I think I could teach. I think I'm good. And the next thing, when somebody brought their head forward too quickly and they dropped down onto the floor, and I thought that was the universe telling me, actually, you know, I'm not ready to hold that space yet. And so I do think that the testimonials, I mean, I'm sort of saying that to myself as well, because sometimes I'm a bit, I don't really like the whole asking for testimonials, but I do believe that, yeah, finding a reputable teacher where you can relate to people's experiences and, um, and you know, like, you get what you pay for as well, you know, like that's, you know, you get what you pay for. Um, so, you know, you can go on a, yoga retreat with someone who's you know the ink is fresh on their certificate (laughs) or you know you can go on a retreat where there's lots of different teachers but really then who's holding that space Mm -hmm. because I can see what's happening to you every day in every session I can see the differences I can really hold the space because I can see what's alive for everybody but if I'm you know around the corner and somebody else is teaching my classes I don't know that you were crying this morning or someone else was crying or someone, you know, like, I don't know what's happening. I'm here. I don't ever leave. I'm holding the space and I'm opening the space and I'm closing the space and I'm zipping you up. So when you leave, you're not going to be, you know, wandering around like a like a moron tomorrow. (laughs) I know. Yeah. I'm thinking about like integrating back into society thinking, oh, gosh, boy. But I know you'll have us ready for that. Just a couple of questions about India because we're here and it's special to you. It's now special to me and it's somewhere I'll come back to for sure. Why do you think so many people pilgrim to India? Ah, oh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, who? I, it's just so beautiful here, isn't it? And it's so different. I think that that's what the pandemic, sort of post-pandemic and coming back to India after three years, it's just like, it's a different world. 
For me, I think it's just getting down to the simplicity and beauty of life. Like when I got to Rishikesh, I think I shared with you, no heating, it was freezing cold, I was washing my underwear out of a bucket. I was completely disconnected from social media and from work and I never felt more content. Yeah, there is a magic here that is really hard to put words on and the people are so beautiful and just the smiles, isn't it? And the, and the kind of the glint in the eyes of the people who, I don't know, there's a reverence in the air and there's a, a bowing down to this beauty and there's a bowing down to the mysticism and yeah just the nature is you know the monkeys even though I'm scared of them you know it's it's just a real um it's a full full beautiful assault on your senses isn't it mm. my, one of my teachers said to me once you spend a bit of time in India it changes you would you agree and if so how has it changed you Trish well it's just there's has to be this kind of letting go here you know even down to the wi-fi you know like the wi-fi just goes and you just have to accept so i would say that india has yeah really changed me over the years i came here for the first time in 2005 and i've been really all over india and um i guess it's made me more humble i guess it's made me more humble and, you know, when you can see the simplicity, the simplicity of life mm. here and, you know, I'm all about the devotions. In 2019, I went to the Golden Temple in Amritsar and just being around that, the depth of the devotion there really changed my life. Wow. As we are about to, well, we've got one final day of your retreat. And again, I have to thank you so much for this experience. And just, I guess you've been my gateway into Kundalini Yoga now. So I'm definitely going to be exploring this further. And this retreat is called Soul Medicine. So, Trish, what would you prescribe to everybody on the planet right now, if you could, in terms of feeding their soul? Meet your soul. Meet your soul. Yeah, meet your soul because, you know, the soul knows. Wow. I'm just going to let that sink in. And final question is um, a question that I ask every guest that's been on the podcast, and that's to set us some homework based on the theme of the episode. So in this case, Trish, what is a simple, actionable first step that we could take when it comes to... Entering the world of Kundalini and its practices that will help us on our mission to living a happier life. To just stop and take like six really nice, long, deep breaths and presence yourself. So when you can really presence yourself, you can come into full contact with the moment and with yourself within that moment. Amazing. Thank you so much. So for more on you, it's souladventures.co.uk and that's where you can find out about all your retreats. You've also got something called Clubhouse, which includes some free offerings. Yeah, I have a couple of great offerings that are online. I have a 40-day um, journey to joy. 
I have a seven week practice and I have a five week program, five classes a week. I've just finished that called Blinded by Your Grace. So I have 40 day journey to joy, vibrate at your highest frequency and Blinded by Your Grace, um, which are packages. And then I've got lots of free classes, lots of free breath works. And then every Monday from the middle of March at 6.30 UK time, 7.30 European time, we have um, a free practice, a healing circle, which is shamanic kundalini yoga, uh, yoga nidra, um, sound. It's just really beautiful and that's free to everybody. How do people find you for that? Where are you doing it? Um, online. On the website? Yes, yes, all on the website. And then in real life, I have um, a fabulous retreat called Meet Yourself coming up in Portugal in May. And I have a fabulous retreat coming up in October in Menorca. And I'll be in the UK. I've got a two day workshop um, called Safe to Surrender in London. I'm giving a retreat at Camp Festival inside the festival this year. So, yeah, so everything's on the website and, yeah, the Instagram's also Soul Adventures. So I fancy myself as a bit of a photographer. So there's lots of great <laughs> shots on there and uh, lots of info. And, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, could not recommend more going and finding Trish and booking yourself a soul adventure. So thank you. Oh, thank you. It's been so lovely having you. It really has. Yeah. I think I might end up being a repeater, Trish. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Look forward to that. I guess I already am a bit of a repeater because I've been taking part in Trish's live classes on a Monday. Highly, highly recommend you checking those out too. Thank you again to Trish Whelan for just being such a beautiful person and giving me such an incredible week in India. And I suppose continuing to be part of my personal healing journey since then too. And I'm clearly not the only one that feels the benefits because I managed to speak to some of the guys who took part in the retreat the same week that I did. And so I'm going to share with you now some of their takeaways from inside a Kundalini yoga retreat. My name's Russ. Um, this is my second retreat now with, with Trish. Uh, first one was back in September in Shropshire and now this wonderful space here in Goa. I've been having my own practice maybe for seven, eight years, started meditation, then into sort of breath work and yoga. And this really, especially coming after COVID, it's just been a way to sort of pull all, that, all of that together into this amazing um, practice. So yeah, it was my, my first time in September with Trish doing Kundalini yoga which was revelatory and now uh, yeah like I said here in in goa uh just having an, an amazing experience uh, enjoying every minute of it hi i'm amy i met trish about six years ago in ibiza at one of her uh yoga retreats and i've been doing them ever since i've been on a long journey of healing which she has been integral to it's an incredibly powerful yoga and hugely transformative She's an amazing human being and uh, an absolute guide for me, back to myself. So if anyone's thinking of, yeah, the need to transform, I highly recommend it. It's powerful. My name's Anna and this is the first 
retreat I've done with Trish, the first retreat I've ever done, the first experience of Kundalini, um, and I probably had a bit of anxiety going into it because I had no idea of what to expect. However, so far, towards the end of the experience, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I feel like I've been pushed uh, physically and emotionally, but in a controlled and supported environment. So it's just an overall beautiful experience where you can come away feeling completely relaxed. And probably that I have given myself the time and the courage to actually sit and think about topics within my life in a really supportive environment. So yeah, overall, I think I've had a good time <laughs> and I would come again. My name's Ben. I've been on three retreats with Trish. One was in England, one was in Menorca and one was in India. And they're all very, very different, but they're all exactly the same. And they're different because the chefs are cooking from very local food at the retreat. And if you have some treatments, they're playing local music. But Trish is exactly the same wherever she goes. In my opinion, it's, it's absolutely perfect because you get to enjoy what she does so well, but in a different environment with a completely different culture. And she's embracing that within the lessons and the teaching. And it's, uh, yeah, that's why I keep coming back. Hi, I'm Lou. It's my sixth time in India. And uh, Kundalini really wasn't a thing that I thought I would be interested in. But um, slowly did online retreats with Trish and got more and more into it. It's an inward journey. It's not like normal yoga or Ashtanga yoga or any of the other types of yoga that I've tried occasionally. But Kundalini is uh, completely different in itself. And it's a very healing kind of journey and definitely that's something that I would recommend to anyone. Oh, thank you for doing that, guys. That's another beautiful bonus of going on a yoga retreat. You can make friends for life. And thank you to you for listening to this episode of the Happier Life Project with me, Gabby Sanderson. Before we go into our very special finale... I do have some important housekeeping, of course, to share. And that is if you are suffering with your mental health, there is a crisis button on the My Possible Self app that will signpost you to the correct information for immediate expert advice. If you're not listening right now on the My Possible Self app, but on one of the podcast platforms, if you do download the My Possible Self app, it is completely free including all of the content, so you don't need to worry about it costing you anything. If you enjoyed this episode and you have the time, we'd love you to share it and leave us a review. And to find and follow us on social media, we are at My Possible Self, and I've been at Radio Gabby. So guys, now please do take care. I will see you on the next one, and I'm going to love you and leave you with the beautiful sound of Trish Whelan playing the gong live in Goa. Take this minute for yourself and let the healing vibrations wash over you. Enjoy. Bye for now.